Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go in our Bibles out here to the Gospel of John chapter 16. And it's that time of year. What time of year is it? It's time for me to preach on answered prayer. I do this. I don't know that I do this every year, but I do this. I preach this series over. Uh, I've preached it. I, I'm thinking this is probably, well, I know I haven't done it every year because I think, I, I think this might be my fourth time maybe. I'm not sure. And I think I started in 2018. But we're going to talk about this answered prayer. This is part one. And you can uh, also add to that lifestyle because we're going to talk about how our lifestyle can affect our prayer life. Now, let's go to John chapter 16. I love these, these verses here. Uh, John 16. Uh, let's begin verse 23. You got it? It says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. Now, the day he's talking about is the day of his resurrection. When you read uh, you know, what's preceding this, he's talking about when I'm resurrected, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Uh, up till now, hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Now, you know, the disciples up to this time, if they needed something, they just asked Jesus for it. And, uh, you know, if, if he had to get it from the Father, he'd go to the Father. But he said, after I'm resurrected... You won't have to do that any longer. You can go to the Father yourself because here's the good thing. How many know when Jesus got resurrected, we got resurrected right along with him? Hallelujah. How many know when he got seated in the heavenly places, we got seated right along with him? That's what the scripture tells us in Ephesians, that we're seated up there with him in heavenly places. And so what Jesus is simply saying, hey, the same asking privileges I have of the Father, I'm giving them to you. Glory to God. Now, you can't see the Father telling Jesus no, can you? Right? I can't imagine the Father not answering one of Jesus' prayers. Well, how many of you begin to, you need to begin to see yourself that way? And, of course, there's a lot that goes with it. We're going to be talking about different elements to answered prayer. We're going to talk about lifestyle tonight because that is a part of it. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to talk about the Word, how the, it has to be Word-based. We're going to talk about what you got to do after you pray with your mind. There's just different things that go into this. You know, there's, there's you know, just like a, a, a way of playing flunk functions, there's a lot that goes into this. You know what I'm saying? I remember taking some flight lessons one time when I'm up there in the air, you know, and, the, and, the, and, and you know, the, pilot, the, the instructor can tell I'm a little tense, you know, and he thinks I'm concerned that we're going to crash the plane. Well, he didn't know. I didn't have a, the least bit of concern about that because, first of all, I believe I got divine protection. Amen. Secondly, if we do crash the plane, I know where I'm going. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you better get saved on the way down is all I can tell you. But that wasn't it. It was just that there are so many uh, things that go into doing this right and trying to remember them all. You know, someone described at one time they were taking lessons or they were actually, they were having a, a, a course in flying a jet. And they said it's like drinking through a fire hose. It's a little bit much. 
And so, you know, and so, and there, you know, and I'm not saying prayers that way, but I'm just saying that there's other elements that go into it just, be, just besides asking. Because this is really wide open when Jesus said, whatever you ask, that's pretty wide open, isn't it? But did you know there's some balances in the Bible that says if my word, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. When the word's abiding and you don't ask for things that are outside the will of God, see, right? And then Jesus also said, what things to every desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. Well, we know how faith comes, right? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you couldn't have really Bible faith for something that God didn't already promise you. So there are some qualifiers there. doesn't mean we can just ask for anything. But even at that, man, it's wide open. Hallelujah. The blessings of God. I don't know how many, how many promises are in the Bible, but there's, there's hundreds. Hundreds. Everybody say hundreds. So we're not near walking in the fullness that God has for us. Amen. I said amen. None of us are. But thank God that doesn't mean we can't. We'll pursue it all of our life. I know that. Amen. I'm going to be pursuing. I'm still, I've been doing this, you know, I've been studying the Bible every day almost. And now there may be a day or so, you know, probably, I really don't know, but probably in the last 41, 42 years, I think it's been 42 years, there may have been maybe seven or eight days I didn't study the Bible in all that time. And I'm not exaggerating that. I study it every day. Why? Because I want to find out what belongs to me. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody who doesn't, but I'm just saying that's my lifestyle. That's the way I live. That's what I do. Teach people about what they have in Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, and, and at that, I'm still digging out promises. I'm still believing for things. I'm still trusting God. And it's never going to cease. I was reading in Ephesians one time, Paul said, I am sent to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I thought, that's a pretty strong word, unsearchable. In other words, he says, I've been, this is Apostle Paul, everybody. How many think he probably knows a thing or two more than we do? Maybe a couple? How many would give him that much credit, right? I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How many think he knows a little bit about the New Covenant, right? And he called it unsearchable riches. In other words, he's saying, I haven't found the bottom to this barrel yet. Hallelujah. You know, it's like shopping at Sam's. Everything you buy, there's mass quantities. Hallelujah. Now, you know, the thing of it is, is that there's a lot of elements that go into it in, we, in answered prayer. But what I want you to see here, Jesus said it's possible, right? He said, whatever you ask... The Father in my name, He'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Look at verse 26. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got some other scriptures I want to look at tonight. Uh, but verse 26, it says, And at that day, the day after He was resurrected, you shall, you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. I'm not going to ask the Father for you. For the Father Himself loves you. Because you've loved me and have believed that I came out from God. How many of you there's another place over in John 17 where he said that God loved us, the Father loved us, just like he loved Jesus? That's what Jesus said. John, I think that's John 17, uh, 23. He said that. How many of you know God loves you? 
But you got to get a revelation of that, you know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's just got to dawn, you know, it's got to be a revelation that, that gets in your heart where you realize God loves me, praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I want to talk about this because this thing about lifestyle, we have to, we have to discuss this. And this, this may not be the most popular message of the bunch, but to me it is. I gravitate towards what's my responsibility. Amen. I don't just gravitate to what God has done. I want to know what, my, what am I supposed to do. Amen. I had someone in this church one time. They, 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 they really shocked me. They came up to me and they said, Pastor, you preach a lot about what is ours in Christ. This was several years ago. That's what were you in this building. Uh, they said, you preach a lot about what, what, we, what's our, what we have in Christ and what God has given us. Do you have any teaching on, what, on our responsibility, what we're supposed to do? I said, no, wait a minute, after I get up off the floor, I do have some teaching on that. Praise God. It's called faithfulness, by the way. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so let's, let's look at some things here. Let's go to the book of 1 John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Thank God for the word. 1 John chapter 3. So we're going to talk about lifestyle and how our lifestyle uh, can have an effect on our prayer life. As, especially as we get older to the Lord. You know, when you're first born again, I mean, you, know, you don't require as much out of younger kids than you do the older ones. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, if you go in, if you go, in your, if you go into one of your rooms in the house and the one-and-a-half-year-old has a collaring crown or a marker and is marking on the wall, I mean, that's basically your, your fault for putting something like that in their hand. What did you think was going to happen? Right? But if the 16-year-old is doing it, we have an issue, don't we? Why? Because they should know better than that. Amen. Some don't. Some, you know, some parents don't ever correct their kids. You know what I'm saying? Some are 30 years old and they haven't been corrected yet. And they wonder why they're not fit for society. Well, how many of you got to train, right? You have to, just like God trains us, right? And so, so you don't expect, I'm just saying, you don't expect as much out of the one-and-a-half, the two-year-old, the three-year-old as you do the teenager. The responsibility starts to go up. I don't even remember my dad when I was like one or two, three. Oh, I don't remember one, two. I think about as far as back I can go is three, uh, f- four or five. You know, he, he didn't make me do a whole lot. But once I got to be, t- you know, eight, nine, ten, the chores started kicking in. Amen. And I started mowing the yard like nine years old, you know. And, um, you know, so the chores started kicking in, and they, they, they continued to kick in. And, that, you know, today we call it child abuse. <laughs> in those days, they call it teaching to be a responsible citizen of America. In other words, son, you're going to have to work, and you might as well learn to work right now. Isn't that something? People still don't got this figured out, you know. It's like sometimes I'll see people on the street corner and say, we'll work for food. I thought that's what we all do. (laughs) We do it every day. (laughs) Amen. Not for helping people out, but I'm for helping people out that are trying to help themselves. Not just, you know, I'm not your sugar daddy. I'm not Santa Claus. Get off your lazy and work. That's the way we do it. Amen. All right. That's good preaching, isn't it? Okay. It needs to be preached in America, that's for sure. First John chapter. This is not hard, man. That's the way this works. You know, you, you go to work and you get a paycheck. You get your paycheck 
and you go buy some food. Amen. Amen. You eat the food. Praise God. You buy clothes. It works pretty good that way. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 3, verse 18. First John chapter 3. Are you in the right spot? Yeah. All right. I want to make sure. First John 3, 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby... We know that we, sh we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Now, I want you to notice that now. See, you, how many know your heart has to have assurance? Yeah. Yeah. It has to have assurance. For if, verse 20, if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart and He knows all things. So if your heart's condemning you, how many know God knows more than your heart knows? <laughs> so He knows what's going on. He knows what's wrong. Amen. He says... Um, but, beloved, verse 21, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Everybody say confidence. So that confidence, assurance. See, he's talking about having confidence and assurance in your heart. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Now listen to this. This is the Bible. Everybody say Bible. Bible. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean like, you know, you've got to earn the blessing? No, that's not what he's talking about here. He said assurance, confidence. See, if you're not, if you're, if, if you're not living according to the Word of God, how many of your heart knows it? If you're a, a born-again person, your heart, now God's not going to condemn you, but your heart will lose its confidence. And how many know without confidence, without faith, what do you receive from the Lord? Let me hear that again. What does the Bible say? Uh, th that let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. So if your heart's not assured, how many know it's going to affect your prayer life? Now that has something to do with your lifestyle, doesn't it? See, now you don't understand, we all, we're all growing, right? We're all a work in progress. And so... But, you know, and we all make mistakes. I mean, think about some of the giants in the Bible. God, I'm glad God doesn't hide their mess-ups. I mean, King David had a big flub, didn't he? But yet God still said he's a man after my heart. Why, he was quick to repent and quick to get it right and to fix it. Amen. Human beings make mistakes. Amen. I had a boss tell me one time, he said, you know, if you don't make any mistakes, you're not doing anything. You're making mistakes. Uh, that's not like just go out and make a bunch of mistakes. But just in the course of things, you're going to mess up sometimes, right? And uh, God knows that. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Lifestyle. See, how, how do you live your life every day? Not how, not how maybe you had a, you got off once or twice or whatever, but how you live your life every day. Amen. How, how you live it, uh, you know, your lifestyle. I have a certain lifestyle. You have a lifestyle, the way you live every day. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've got places, you know, that are pretty routine where I go to. I'm a kind of a routine guy on some things. Some things I'm not, but, you know, some things I am. Uh, but, you know, that, we're not talking about, we're not talking about like you messed up, Thank God for God's mercy. 
But we're talking about this is the way you've, you've chosen to live. You've cho if you choose to live contrary to what you know to be the truth, your heart will condemn you. Yeah. Not God, but your heart will, and you won't have assurance before God. But if we do those things, if we walk in the light the best we can, our heart's not condemned, and whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Amen. Isn't that what John just said? That's what he said. Hallelujah. Let, read it again, verse 20. Was it verse 22? Whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, that just means your heart's got confidence. So how many know your lifestyle affects your confidence or your assurance? You know, every once in a while, Phyllis acts up. And, you know, I happen to <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, know, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting in trouble, aren't I, here? Yeah, I know, back up here a little bit. I just love her so much, you know. How many understand that in marriage occasionally, you know, the wife gets messed up? Come on, help me out, man. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many know guys mess up sometimes, too? Yeah. Now, <laughs> Mark, don't say that because we know about you. <laughs> You're a total mess up, man. No. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, Mark. But anyway, help me understand that I don't know how it works with you. I mean, we haven't been in outs for years. And that's the truth. But I'm not like saying we never have been. But when that's like that, I know i got to get that fixed before I really have confidence in my prayer life. I've got to fix it. Especially if it should happen to be my fault. <laughs> i got to get that fixed. Or it's just like, you know, because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says if you've got ought, go get it fixed and then come bring your gift to the altar. Amen. And, 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 you know, the Lord said this to me one time. I, I'll never forget this. I wish he hadn't taught me this. He said, because um, it was one of those times years ago, something, I don't know what, what she had done that day, but she'd done something, and there was a rift there. And the Lord said something to me. He said, um, <laughs> he said, he said uh, and I understood what he was saying, when the church was at odds with Christ, who did the reconciling? I said, well, Christ did. You understand what he meant, the church, what was going to be the church. When they were at odds, he said, I did the reconcile. Who did the reconcile? He's asking me this question. When God, how many know when God asks you questions, he's not fishing for information? He's not trying to learn something? He's trying to teach you something. He said, who, who did the reconciling? I said, well, you did. Lord, he, he said, isn't the relationship between the husband and wife compared to the relationship between church, the church and Christ? He said, it's, it's the man's job to fix the thing, if possible. Boy, it got real quiet on that. <laughs> Quit sucking all the air out of the room. I, I got to breathe. But that's, that's, that's the pattern, isn't it? Didn't Christ reconcile the church? Didn't he give himself for the church that he might present it to himself a glorious b body? Church without spot or wrinkle? Didn't it say, 
men ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Didn't say that. And so I realized, you know, that if there's something there, it's, it can affect my prayer life. And I don't know about you, but I need all my prayers answered. Yeah. Amen. And I don't want to pray just to be praying. I got, I got other things I could do if I'm wasting my time here. But, you know, Jesus said we can have answered prayer. Hallelujah. Now go, go with me, 1 Peter chapter 3. Go there. And, um, you know, I want to show you something here. Because, you know, we have all these grace teachers today, and I'm, I'm for grace. You know that. I teach on grace. i got a series on grace. I believe in grace. I'm saved by grace. I'm healed by grace. I'm delivered by grace. In Him and in His grace, I live and move and have my being. But some of these guys that are teaching this stuff that it doesn't matter what you do, Christ has done it all. You don't have to do anything. They're just off their, they're, they're a nut off the boat. Because that is not what the Bible teaches. I'll, I'll, I'll just be blunt about it. They don't know this. They need to read their Bible. They miss some classes in Bible college. Because the Bible, the New Testament, is full of stuff that you and I are told to do. Amen. And then they tried to just get rid of the Old Testament and say, well, you know, Old Testament's passed away. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He didn't say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the New, New Testament. He said every word of God. Now, you have to understand, have enough sense to know that some of the things in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Christ. We don't offer blood sacrifice anymore. But, you know, people say, we don't live by the Ten Commandments anymore. Oh, yeah, let your spouse commit adultery on you and see if you still believe in the Ten Commandments. You'll believe in it. Don't give me that. We don't live by it. Yes, we do. Even our government lives by it. Somewhat. I mean, they'll put you in jail for breaking some of them. I hear, I hear some politicians, they've lost their minds, saying, we don't, we don't live by that ancient book. Well, you're, you're flat out, you're a liar. I don't mind to tell you you're a liar. You're a nut, you're a liar. What else can I call you not sin? Because the truth is we do. Our courts still live, still guided by that, are guided by that book. You go murder somebody and find out what happens. Where did that come from? Well, it came from the Bible. Are you with me now? You know, now, you know, you don't go to jail for committing adultery. You're, you know, you might go to heaven or hell. Your wife might kill you. But the point is, you probably end, you might end up in hell. But my point is, is, is there's other thing like, what about stealing? Where did that come from? That came from the Ten Commandments. What about bearing false witness? That's called lying. That's called perjury. Amen. And unless you're a Democrat, you'll go to jail for that. Well, I just speak truth. You may not like it, but it's just the truth. <clears throat> now, now, you know, I wasn't a slap at anybody. It's just, I just speak truth. It's the truth, you know. Now, my point is this. Look. Those things, those Ten Commandments are still valid. We're not saved by them. You could keep all of them, you still wouldn't be saved. Jesus paid the price for you to be saved. Right? So, but yet, once you get saved, you should, you should, you should live the lifestyle. Because it's going to matter to your prayer life. It's going to give access to the devil into your life. It's going to open doors to him. 
And so you just don't want that, do you? I don't. Now, thank God for God's mercy. You know, none of us are perfect. I guarantee you there's things that all of us are doing that if we knew, we may not know. But God's, he's not really pleased with it. Sometimes we don't know. How many know we don't know everything yet? But we're learning, thank God. You know, when I got saved, I told you, man, when I got, first got saved, I'd given up drugs. You know, I thought I'd given up a lot for the Lord, and I look back and think, that was stupid. He, he gave everything for me. What, you know. But, you know, I quit smoking marijuana. I quit doing snorting stuff up my nose. quit taking acid. quit taking drugs. quit drinking. quit all that. And I thought, man, God's really got something. I thought, man, I'm really living holy life. And about two weeks later, God began to show me, that's not all there is, son. That was the things that were destroying your life that I delivered you from. Amen. Amen. You know, I this thing about marijuana today. You know, people can do what they want to. It's their life. But I'm just telling you, you can't fool me. I know how I got started on drugs. I started smoking marijuana. It's a gateway drug. And anybody that's had been into hard drugs will tell you the same thing I'm telling you. And so it's like, how can this be a good thing for us to open this up and say, hey, smoke pot and then drive on the streets? Are you crazy? Well, anyway, they are. But anyway, praise God. Moving right along. Hallelujah. But, you know, listen now. We, we, need, to, we need to understand that our lifestyle affects our prayer life. Now, look at this in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. Got it? Verse 7. Uh, Peter said, Likewise, you husbands dwell with them, their wives. And he's going to tell them how to dwell with their wives. We'll read the rest of this verse in a minute, but let me explain it to you. He spent... The, the previous six verses telling women how to, you know, treat their husbands, how to live in a relationship with their husbands, even if they're not saved, how they're supposed to let them buy anything they want and all. And um, then he says, likewise, he gets the husbands. He says, likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. I mean, if you honor your wife, you're not going to have many problems. What does it mean to honor? Respect her. Value her. Why is it so quiet in this church? Do I need to do marriage teaching? I value my wife. You know, I pick on my wife and we pick on one another, but I value my wife. She gets treated like a queen, like she is. And I listen to her advice because it's usually better than mine. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'll just admit it. Some of you guys wouldn't admit it, but I'll admit it. You know, there's things she knows more about than I do. There's a couple things I know more about than she does. Like how to get grass to grow and look nice. And <laughs> what's that other thing I know more than you do? What's that? Uh, that there's one more thing. Trucks. I know about trucks more than you do. Anyway, praise. I cook better than she does. She said that, not me. But you know, she she, she told me. Says I don't mind it burn if you don't. I said, Well, I do. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember when we first got married, way back, you know, in the ancient days. I remember we got married, you know, and we're, we're under the same roof. And she says, now, I'll get up early and cook your breakfast, 
before you go to work if you want me to. And I said, no, you don't have to do that. She has, she's believed that word ever since. <laughs> she didn't out there that, but one time. <laughs> oh, well, you're snared by the words of your mouth. That's what the Bible says. Now notice verse 7, he says, Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. We should honor. Well, honor means to treat value, to value her, to, to honor her. Um, you, know, you know, just treat her like a queen. That's what he's saying. As unto the weaker vessels, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Listen to this, that your prayers... Be not hindered. Well, that tells me prayers can be hindered then, can't they? I said, can't they? Didn't he say, you do this right or your prayers will get hindered? In other words, I got to take care of my wife right. I got to treat my wife right or I might as well forget my prayer life. I thought you women would like take a lap around the church or something or go take a lap around Denny's or something. But that's, but that's not just for the men, because he said likewise. See, this is both of us, see. Now, what is that telling us? It's telling us that our, now this is one area, of course, but there's many areas. If we don't live our lives the way the Bible says to live our lives, it hinders our prayers. We need to know that. See, it's not just about, you know, I can quote a few verses and I know, I know some promises, and it's not just all about that. It is about that, and we're going to talk about that part. You know, I know what the Word says. Well, that's good that you know what the Word says. How many of you got to live that what the Word says, not just know what the Word says? you got to live it. And once again, you know, I mean, God gives us grace. Thank God for grace, but it doesn't mean we can continue disobeying something that we know we're, you know what, we're not, we're not supposed to be doing Amen. Thank God for His mercy. You know. But you, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like the guy that kept running the stop sign, you know. He kept running the stop sign. Finally, a cop pulled him over because he'd sat there every day watching, checking traffic out, and this guy'd run it every day. He'd, he'd just go on through it, you know. So he pulls him over and said, Hey, you didn't stop for that stop sign. And, he said, oh, yeah, I did. He said, no, you didn't. He said, you just, you slowed down, but you didn't stop. He said, stop from now on. The next day, the guy did the same thing, and the policeman said, again, you didn't stop for the stop sign. Yes, I did. I stopped. I, I know I stopped. He said, no, you didn't. You slowed down. You didn't stop. So he said, watch what you're doing. Next day, he did it again. And that, he pulls him over, and, he, and that guy goes, not again. He said, officer, I stopped. He said, no, you didn't. You slowed down. You didn't come to a stop. You just rolled on through it. He said, I did stop. The cop pulled out his billy club and started beating the guy. And the guy started yelling, stop, stop, stop. cop said, you want me to just slow down or stop? It's amazing how people put their own interpretation on the Word of God. 
But how many know it means what it says? Hallelujah. And so how many are saying what I'm saying? Lifestyle effects. Come on, you got a little bit more time here tonight? Go to Psalm 60. I'm going to look at a couple more things and then we'll be done. Psalm 66, go there. Psalm 66, just talking about, you know, how lifestyle affects our prayer life. That, you know, we want to live the Word. It has something to do with it. Psalm 66. How many know your, 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 your lifestyle, you know, has to do with, you know, how you're going to live life out in the natural, you know? You, what kind of lifestyle do you have? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, how many know... <clears throat> I mean, you know, we may not like some things, but if it's, if it's the Word, it's still the Word. I don't like everything in the natural, but the, I don't like every law in the natural. I don't like the fact that if you eat, you put on weight. I don't like that. But it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. I've lost 30 to 40 pounds twice in my life. And I'm working on it again because I broke the law. You know, I just stand in front of... The, no, I don't want to give you that picture. Uh, <laughs> you already got it. I'm looking... You've been breaking the law, man. <laughs> a lady... God bless her. This was years ago. A lady asked me one time, she says, well, Why can't we just by faith cast the calories out? I said, because that's, God put the calories in there to fuel your body. And he's not going to break his law so you can be in rebellion. It's amazing to me, the diet industry and how they make so much money selling books that it all comes down to the same thing. You can't eat like a stump grubber unless you're grubbing stumps. Does anybody know what a stump grubber is? That's the guy that rips the stumps out of the ground after you cut the tree down. He's got a lot of work on his hands, man. Some, you know what I'm saying. And so, I don't like those laws. You know, if, if it were me, you, 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 that wouldn't have anything to do with gaining weight. But that's not the way it works. It doesn't matter where I like it or not. I mean, it's going to work whether I like it or not. Right? You get people, I don't understand how I got pregnant. Well, then you're pretty dumb. <laughs> I learned about that in sixth grade. And thank God it wasn't from the school because I ain't got no business teaching it. Yeah. Where'd you learn it from? My friends. <laughs> think my dad was going to explain that to me? Not dads like, our dads in those days were different. That was World War II, Korean they were different. They didn't, they didn't do stuff like that. They just let your friends tell you. I remember what we thought. This is, that's gross. But having I mean, the law works, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. You know, we could say a lot of things about that, but we'll move on. Praise God. But see, we may not like some things in the Word. And I don't know about you, but I like everything God has to say because it's for my benefit. But there may be some things that stretch us, but it doesn't matter. It's the truth. Right. And it works the way God says it works. Right? right? right. You know, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody. They may think they do, but it catches up with you. Because there's the laws of sowing and reaping in the Bible. And whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Yeah. 
The only way to get out of that is have a crop failure. And the only way to have a crop failure is to get it covered and, let's well, say, eradicated by the blood of Jesus. And I've heard people say, well, you're just, you're just reaping from your past life. You know, we did some things that weren't so good before we met Jesus. No, I'm not. Man, I fainted that way of life. Hallelujah. That's all done. I'm all cleansed of that. Praise God. Amen. Now look at this in Psalm 66. and We're about ready to close out here. Psalm 66, verse 18. David said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, that's pretty plain, isn't it? I said, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Well, listen. I... <laughs> In other words, what does he mean by regard? Well, something you're allowing to remain that you know shouldn't remain. Listen to this. Uh, another Bible says it this way. If I get cozy with evil. Ooh, that's strong stuff, isn't it? I said, isn't it? You know, I don't even... Uh, a person said one time, they said, you know, they said, I had this pain in my back near my side that wouldn't go away. And, you know, some of that stuff can really be, uh, you know, a hindrance to you. And I think they said it was like back in here somewhere, back in there, close to the back, but not all the way back there. And they couldn't get, they couldn't get healed of it. They couldn't get any help for it. You know, nothing. It wouldn't change. But they said this. They said, you know what? I was critical of preachers. Now, I mean, you know, it's... it's it's easy to be critical of preachers. I hear it sometimes in a restaurant. People from church, are, they're barbecuing their pastor for an hors d'oeuvre on Sunday morning. But, you know, it's really easy to say, if I was a preacher, if I was a pastor, I'd do it this way. Well, that may be why you're not. You might do it wrong. Well, pastor just didn't say it right. Well, you, you get up and you talk you know, hundreds of times a year and see if you ever say anything that's not right. My gosh. One time I was preaching for this pastor. And how many know who has the keys of death and hell? How many know who has them? A few of you. Well, let me help you. Jesus has them. You better be glad he does. I'm up preaching one night and I'm talking about Apollyon has the keys of death and hell. I don't know what I'm saying. I didn't know I said it. I'm preaching that. I mean, I'm not making a sermon out of it, but I just came out. And the pastor, we went out to eat afterwards. He said, did you know that you said that Apollyon has the keys of death and hell? I did. He said, that's what you said tonight. I said, I'm going to get him back tomorrow night service before he does too much damage. Because Jesus has them. Amen. Well, let's, let's close out. Let, did you get something tonight? Go to Isaiah 38. What was I telling? Oh, yeah, the person with the back problem. Thank you, hon. The person with the back problem, they said when they repented for being critical of preachers, they got healed. What was happening? Well, they were regarding an iniquity in their heart, and it was hindering, it was blocking the blessing from coming. But once they got it straightened out, they said they got healed. Isn't that something? Right? Well, you know, I'll tell you one like, well, you find Isaiah, I'll tell you another one um, <clears throat> that happened in this church. Um, 
Does anybody, some of you may not remember him, but some of you may. Does anybody remember an, a, an older gentleman? He's in heaven now, but his name was David Duplessis. They called him Mr. Pentecost. He brought the charismatic movement to a lot of the churches here in America. He was from, I think he was from South Africa. Uh, but David Duplessis, uh, I may have that wrong about him being from South Africa, but I think that might be right. But anyway, he was called Mr. Pentecost. If you've been, you know, if you've been saved for a while, you remember Mr. Pentecost. You know, he was a well-known guy at the time. Well, he had a brother named Justice that pastored a church, and Justice said this. He said he had a lady in his church that was dying of cancer, and uh, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, the, the, she was she was in the final stages, you know, and he said that, um, you know, he said that. She, she called, she called the, the pastor, and she said, I want you and the elders to come and pray for me. And uh, he said, all right. He said, so me and the elders got together. We went over to her house to pray for her. She was bedridden. And he, she said, before you pray for me, you know, I need to repent. Now listen, before I say this, just because you have something wrong with you doesn't mean you sinned. You understand that? There's a devil out there. There's life out there. Things just happen. But you could open the door through sin, right? You could. And so <clears throat> this lady said, now, she said, before you pray for me, she said, I need to repent to you, Pastor, and to all these elders. She said, I have spoken evil about you guys. And she said, the Lord showed me I've sowed cancer in his body, the body of Christ. And she said, I've reaped cancer in my body, and I'm repenting before you. Well, you know what? They laid hands on that woman and she got healed instantly. But she had to get some things adjusted, didn't she? Now, that wouldn't be true of everybody, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd hate to think every time I've had to fight a sickness off it's because I sinned. No, it wasn't because I sinned. It's because there's a devil out there. But my point is, you don't want to give him any access either. Remember, Paul said the way the, the church at Corinth were treating one another in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, many of you are sick and weak, and some of you have died by the way you're treating one another. You're not treating one another right. And he's opened the door to the devil, and he's taken some of you out, made some of you sick, made some of you weak, and killed some of you. It wasn't God doing it. Right. Amen. Now look at this in Isaiah 38. We're, we're, this is it, Isaiah 38, verse 1. <clears throat> I, I like this. The Bible says, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, so he's got something wrong with him. He's King, King Hezekiah. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. How many would like to get a prophecy like that Sunday morning? Anybody want one? Well, that's the word he got, wasn't it? All right. But then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord, and he said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I've walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is right in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years." Now, my thought is, what if Hezekiah hadn't done what was right in the eyes of the Lord? See, so he had something to stand on, didn't he? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we earn these things. But I'm just saying lifestyle does matter to God. It does. 
And he said, you tell him, even though I said he was going to die, since he's, he's, he's prayed, sought me, and reminded me of the way he lived, he's going to get 15 more years. Well, that's great. I said, that's great. Now, listen, I think that has something to do with, with lifestyle, don't you? I remember, you can close your Bibles. I remember <clears throat> Dr. Barclay, who's been here many times. He's a, a pastor and father in faith to me. But back in 2000, I think it was eight, his wife began to not, Miss Vicky began to feel bad. They took her to the doctor, and the doctor said, you have, he said, Reverend, he said, your wife has an aggressive form of cancer, and most women never live through it. That was the diagnosis. And so, you know, Dr. Barclay just told him, said, well, you do what you do, and we'll do what we do, okay? You do what you do, we'll do what we do as believers, okay? He said, Dr. Barclay said this. He said, you know, we went home, and uh, he said, I heard Vicki praying and talking to the Lord. She, and she says, you know, Lord, if it's, if it's, if, if it's time for me to come home, I, that, that, you know, I don't resist that. Or something. This is not word for word, but, you know, if that's what, you know. But, I mean, that's not God's will. She said, but I want to remind you that, that, and called him Mark. I don't call him Mark. I call him doctor. Uh, but I want to remind you that Mark and I, we have not been phonies. We have lived before you in truth. We've been the real deal. We haven't played with this thing. We haven't been out sinning. We haven't been robbing the offerings. We've been living like the Bible says. Now, I'm not, you don't buy anything. I hope you're not misreading what I'm saying. But you better have a good lifestyle when you hit troubles. Right? Or else get it right real quick. Right? Thank God for His mercy. But 30 days later, they took her back to the doctor, and she was totally cancer-free. That's, that's just what Hezekiah did. Remember, I told you the story. You know, the doctor called him and said, I want you to come into my office. And he has this table laid out here. He's got all these, what are the MRIs or whatever they are, of her body, you know, with the cancer in it. And he's, he's taking his, he, just, he didn't tell him that she's cancer free. He just called him in and he's explaining to him and he's telling Dr. Barkley, now this is, this is Vicki when she came in and this is what she looked like here and this is after this so many days and this is here. And, and, and Dr. Barkley said, well, Doc, will you just get to the point? And the doctor said, excuse me, Reverend, do people interrupt you when you're preaching? He said, go ahead. He says, so he's showing us these pictures, and he gets down here, and he says, now this is Vicky's body today. So Dr. Burke says, what are you trying to say? I'm saying there's no cancer in her body. It's not there. Well, what happened? Same thing with Hezekiah. God gave her some more years. Hallelujah. Thank God. The lifestyle matters, you know what I'm saying? Now, thank God for his mercy. You can fall on his mercy, but, you know, I'd rather just live right. I'd just rather just not go that way. Amen. I'd rather just live right. Praise God. Amen. 
And you know, that doesn't mean, I want to say it again, because people, you know, people filter things different that you say, and they think, well, man, I'm telling you what, they're talking about you can't ever, you, know, you got to live perfect. No, you got to have a heart that follows after God. None of us have lived perfect yet, except Jesus, and they crucified him. But our lifestyle matters to our prayer life. Hallelujah. Don't fall for what these modern day preachers are preaching. I don't just call it like it is, it's just puke. It tells you it doesn't matter how you live. Amen. I've heard them say, you know, your how many know the Bible talks about your spirit the Lord sealed you? And your spirit sealed. Well, that is true, but that doesn't mean that. And they say, well, your spirit, you know, you can do what you want to with your body because your spirit's sealed. And so, you know, he's perfect. You can go live the way you want to. It doesn't matter. It's not going to affect you. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to send you the help. you keep doing it. Amen. Yeah, you're sealed. You know what I'm saying. God, thank God we get born again. God creates you a new man and seals, man, put a seal on there. You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, ever bought a bottle of aspirin. What's it got on there? It's got to sit. Why is that on there? Yeah, because, you know, you know, 19, what was it? 1982, the Tylenol murders. Anybody remember the Tylenol murders of 1982? I mean, yeah. You know what? Well, th those days, they didn't put a seal on it. They just stuck cotton in there. You could go to the drugstore, open the top off, and there's the capsules. And somebody took those and put cyanide in them. And people would take Tylenol and they'd die. They called them the Tylenol murders. And after that, they said, from now on, we're going to put a seal on it. Why is it to keep the impurities out? Yeah, so when you, buy, when you buy Tylenol a day, you know, if the seal's broke, don't take it. Because they never did catch the guy that did that. Oh, nutty may still be around somewhere. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, you know, the old nutty devil's still around. Thank God our spirit's sealed. You know, when we do miss it, we don't lose our righteousness. But yet we can't. It still affects our life, the way we live. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.